Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast on a steamy summer afternoon in Providence. Bill, it's uh, 90 plus degrees outside, so uh, nice to be in the air-conditioned confines of the uh, Providence Journal podcast studio. Yeah, wonderful to be here with you as always, Bill. Uh, Allegedly, this is the start of the first heat wave of the summer. I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, wow. Well, we've had some pretty hot days, so... Uh, th- this one lasts a while, then uh, get, then get ready. Uh, plenty what, of, what's the definition? You need to have three days over ninety in a row, or something. I think like I that? think that's what it is. Yeah, three days over ninety. So uh, we'll, uh, of course, all the Rhode Island beaches will be closed. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to take uh, business away from the Rhode Island coffers. But uh, so anyway, we're here to uh, look at the Red Sox, who have been. Uh, uh, maybe not quite as hot as the weather bill, but uh, have been pretty good, uh, pretty hot as of late. Five and two over the last week, and those five wins came against teams that you really need to beat, namely the Tampa Bay Rays and the uh, New York Yankees. Uh, the Red Sox, as we uh, record this on uh, Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, are sitting at uh, fifty-eight. I'm sorry, 59 and 48, 55 games to play. They are one game out of the wild card race um, and still several games behind the Yankees in the American League East if you are concerned with such things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Bill, I have to say, I think the Red Sox surprised some people with the last uh, week of play here and, um, uh, you know, made a case for themselves as. Uh, defending champs. Yeah, I think uh, if you'd like to accuse me of grading on a curve, you you can uh, because five and two is what it is. It's it's a good record. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not seven and zero. Oh, it's not six and one, obviously. But when you consider that five and two came against the Rays and against the Yankees, the two teams in front of you in the AL East, and considering what we thought going into this two week stretch, how critical it was, um, what we thought a successful two week stretch might be. Uh, might be eight and six, might be nine and five. You know, something above five hundred, where you gain a little ground on the Yankees in the race. If they repeat this this week, it's ten and four. That's really good over those two weeks against that caliber of competition. Absolutely, I think it's more than what anybody would realistically expect. And you're right; they're halfway through here. They've, they're opening up a series tonight uh, against the Rays, and then they go to uh, they go to New York for the weekend. Uh, so. Uh, the uh, the whole season sort of boils down to these two weeks, and so far they are making a strong case for themselves. So let's let's unpack a little bit of what we saw here in the most recent series, and that is the uh, the series against the Yankees at Fenway Park, three and one. And as as um, satisfied as you are, as you should be, if you're a Red Sox fan, that you took three games out of four against the Yankees. It still left you with a little bit of a bittersweet taste in your mouth because of the way it ended, and that's with the loss on Sunday night when you had Chris Sale on the mound. Um, you know, I, for one, 
really thought Chris Sale would be able to kind of put it together here and put the stamp on a sweep, which would have been great for Sox fans, uh, and he just wasn't able to do that. Yeah, he was good early. Uh, retired his first seven batters of the game and, and then found trouble in the third inning. Uh, couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark. He, he gave up two two-run homers. Uh, you know, then gave up a long RBI double to Gio Urshela uh, and was out of the game shortly after in the sixth inning. Um, I would say, though, that you know, going back to, to what I said off the top, you could accuse me of grading on a curve. Five and two is, is a good thing. Circumstances being what they are, you look at Sunday and you think, well, it's Chris Sale against Domingo Herman, and the Red Sox are rolling and, and they've won three in a row right. in, in emphatic fashion. They should win this game. Um, you know, and I, I just don't think it's that easy, I, I guess. You know, the Yankees were kind of due, and, and Sale sort of threw out a clunker that's, you know, become all too common this year. Uh, they're 8 and 14 when he starts. You reverse that record. The Red Sox comfortably have the wild card within their grasp, uh, and they're only two or three games behind the Yankees yeah. in the division race. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's been a, a frustrating process for him. Um, you know, I know he, he threw well uh, his previous two starts. He was really good against Toronto. Uh, and then against Tampa at Tropicana Field, he, he battled through six innings. Um, you know, really gave them a, a character start there. Uh, you know, gave them a chance to win, and, and they did. Um, you know, this was just another one of those nights where you're left sort of shaking your head right alongside Chris. Yeah, Hill. it's frustrating to watch because you 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 know you're watching the game and and his velocity seemed to be there, just location wasn't there, and and was making mistakes at the most inopportune times. Uh, you know, against a team that that can certainly hit the ball out of the ballpark, and they did. Uh, and certainly, you know, Chris Hill's as accountable as anybody. He stands out, right. stands there after the game, and says, you know, things like, "We probably would have swept if it wasn't for me." Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you, the re- the reality is, you just gave, you know, the, the Red Sox just gave this guy a contract extension. You're not even into that contract yet, right. and uh, you know, it's certainly uh, been a disappointing season for the guy that's supposed to be your ace. I think it's a, a real good lesson of how good players in Major League Baseball are. You could say that sale is off by two to three percent, and he's getting punished. Yeah. Um, you know, every mistake. It feels like every mistake that he makes, he gets hurt. Um, the home run he gave up to Didi Gregorius, you know, was on a slider that he hung out over the plate. Why couldn't Didi Gregorius have fouled that pitch off? <laughs> Why did he yeah. have to hit it into the grandstand right. in right field? If you're Chris Sale, that's just kind of the way it's going for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, on the other side of things, though, uh, Mookie Betts has continued his really hot play as of late. Uh, mm. fr- I, I have to be at the Friday night game, um, as obviously you were, too. You saw the show. I saw the show, and what a show it was, boy. Uh, three home runs, and then a double, I think, also. Double as well, yeah. Uh, so, Mookie is kind of starting to look like uh, the player he was last season, at least as of late. I don't think he's, he's going to reach those numbers, but, uh, I mean... He's a guy that you really need to kind of get uh, a lot of production out of, and and he's he has been fitting the bill lately. His last month, he's been really good. Yeah. If you look at you know what he's done, he was down to two sixty one at one point. Yeah, um, you know, and the last month, he's essentially been the player he was last year. You know, he's right around a thousand OPS. Um, yeah, his batting average is up to two eighty four now. And, you know, he's a, a true catalyst to top that lineup, yeah. which you know was the role that he played all of last season while winning the American League MVP. Uh, you look at the guys behind him and how good they've been, whether it's Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts, 
uh, you know, J.D. Martinez and, and Andrew Benintendi are showing signs of life here. Right. Um, the 44 runs that they scored against the Yankees, the most in any four-game series between the Yankees or the Red Sox, scored by either team. Right. right. Uh, and you think about that rivalry and how far it goes back. It, it was truly a historic weekend for the Red Sox offense. And, and Mookie Betts had a lot to do with that. And I think that if you're a Boston fan, it, it's so encouraging to see him back to where he is because you look at the top five or six in that order and they're as good or better than anybody else in Major League Baseball. And, and when he's going like this, he just adds to that dynamic that, that they've established throughout the first hundred games or so. This is really more like the team that I think a lot of people expected to see. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously there's still plenty of baseball to go here. We've got two solid months before, uh, before, the, uh, before the playoffs arrive. And as I looked at my uh, Providence Journal standings this morning, uh, the wild card is, is really shaping up to be a heck of a race. Obviously the division winners or division leaders, I should say, at this point remain uh, the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros. And right now, as, as we record this, the two wildcard entrants would be the Cleveland Indians and the uh, Oakland A's. And then you've got the Tampa Bay Rays kind of a half, uh, just a half a game out of that and the Red Sox one game out of that. Uh, and as you pointed out before we uh, got on the air here, uh, Tampa Bay has been kind of slip sliding for a while. And uh, it just seems like, and I sort of thought it, it would happen by now, it hasn't, but it seems like the Red Sox should be uh, able to overtake them. And obviously, they're going to have a, a, a great opportunity to do so this week. Yeah, I'm a seller on Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. They were 41 and 24 on June 10th. Since then, they're 19 and 24. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox have made up six and a half games on them. Uh, over the course of 40-45. Right. Uh, you know, and I just, I think that they're going to continue to go in that direction. Blake Snell hit the DL this week. Uh, the AL Cy Young winner, he had a procedure on his left elbow to remove loose bodies. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar to what Nathan Valdi had done earlier in the year. Yep. You saw how long it took to get him back. Uh, they're talking about September for Blake Snell. If they're not in contention, I don't think he pitches again this season. Right. Why would he? Right. Jose Alvarado's been on the DL. He's one of their two guys at the back end of the bullpen with Diego Castillo. You won't see him this week. Uh, Ryan Stanek, who they use for the opener most days, he's been on the IL with a right hip problem. Uh, you also have Yandy Diaz, who hits in the middle of their lineup, suffered a bruised foot during the Red Sox series down there in a foul ball. He's on the IL. That's a lot of talent. And if you're Tampa Bay and your roster's already a little thin, you're not like the Yankees. You're not going to be able to overcome that. They're going to continue to slide backwards, in my mind. So the race is between Oakland, who has added a starter in Homer Bailey, uh, and Jake Diekman, a reliever, a left-hander. Um, Oakland has clearly signaled their intent that they're going to go for it. The team that I can't really get a read on is Cleveland. Uh, it's tough. It, it's tough to know with Cleveland. I mean, obviously their, their best pitcher isn't isn't there anymore this year. He's hurt. And, Corey Kluber, yeah. Right. And... Uh, well, there was an interesting development on the mound recently, wasn't the, there? The interesting thing about Cleveland is that they have serious financial problems. They they do. You uh, mean the city or the team? Well, it, both, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, have you been to Cleveland? I have not. Well, you're lucky, because uh, downtown Cleveland isn't exactly the place. Well, they do have a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. That the I Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is gorgeous, yeah. and I highly recommend spending a full day there. Uh, I went there before a day game. I only got three or four hours in. I could have 
spent twice that amount of time. Sure. It was great. Yeah. Um, you know, they do have a couple side streets downtown that have restaurants and, and bars and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Those are nice. Mm-hmm. Generally, though, Cleveland isn't necessarily a place that if you're a Red Sox fan, you want to go for a road trip. But <laughs> let's get back to the topic at hand. The, the park is supposed to be pretty nice. It's so. very good. Okay. Very good. Uh, you just you wish that they could parachute it into somewhere else that's a little nicer. <laughs> yeah. Um, the issue with Cleveland, they have financial problems. Their payroll being what it is, they don't get the fan support. They don't have the sort of outside revenue that they need to sustain that payroll. Mm. So they're thinking about the next two or three years, what do we do with our contracts? And the guy who comes up most often is Trevor Bauer, uh, who is their ace with Kluber on the I.L. Uh, Trevor Bauer, you know, they he's he has not hit free agency yet. He will. Cleveland does not expect to have the financial muscle to re-sign him. Um, so the discussion comes in now. You know, do we sell now while he still has you know more value than he would this off season or in the middle of next season or whatever else? The issue comes in for Cleveland is that you're leading in the wild card. You know, do you really want to sell off Trevor Bauer and a couple other pieces while you're leading in the wild card? That that doesn't seem to make much sense. Uh, but what happened this weekend is is going to be interesting to see the fallout from uh, his incident in Kansas City uh, leaving a start against the Royals. Why don't you give us the rundown? Um, there was a uh, – he, so he Bauer is sick, but he still you know agrees to take the ball. He's going to go out there because he is a pretty competitive guy. And, and you know, for anyone who's seen him pitch, he, he does have special ability. Um, it's not his day. He's out there in the heat in Kansas City. He's struggling. You know, he gives up a few hits, a few runs, a few hits, a few more runs. He gets into the fifth inning, and he, he sort of – you know, to top it all off, he gets into some buzzard luck there. There's like an infield dribbler and a bloop single and you know, a couple of calls don't go his way. And by this point, you can imagine if you're sick and you're in the heat and you're losing the game, you're going to be a little frustrated. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so in the middle of the fifth inning, Terry Francona, the Indians manager, who you know any Red Sox fan would know, comes out to get Bauer. Bauer sees Francona comes out of the dugout, takes the ball and throws it over the center field fence. Just one small hop step, throws the ball from the mound over the center field wall in Kansas City. Now, thankfully, for those of you who aren't familiar with Kauffman Stadium, there are no seats in straightaway center field. Mm. Um, there really aren't any fans anywhere near that area <laughs> of the park. Uh, there probably there probably aren't a whole lot of fans there anyway. Well, they're, they're generally behind the fountains in left and right center if they're out in the outfield at all. Yeah. Um, you know, so Bauer throws the ball over the center field fence, which which is astonishing in, in its own right uh, but what he managed to do in doing that was upset Terry Francona publicly who has been a defender of Bauer by the way you won't find if, if you look up the term players manager in the dictionary Terry Francona's picture is going to be there right. you know there, there isn't a guy who is more supportive um, you know more outspoken on behalf of his players than him it was the same way in Boston uh, you know so Bauer does this. He turns. He sees Francona. You could see him immediately start to apologize. And Francona is so upset at this point, at at this public display, uh, that he tells Bauer in no uncertain terms to get in the dugout. And he points toward the third base dugout. And when he points, Bauer, like a six-year-old kid, stops Head drops, shoulders drop. <laughs> At that point, I think he realized 
the gravity of the situation and what he had just done. Yeah. And he sort of trudges his way back to the dugout and it's like has that oh crap moment. Oh no. <laughs> you know, it was it was the realization of I think I did something no, I really did do something wrong. Um so you wonder how Cleveland will proceed going forward. There there've been rumors out there that he was on the market, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But they're going to be fascinating. Uh, you know, I think if the Red Sox are left to their own devices, they can beat out Tampa Bay, I think. I also think that they'll be able to overcome Oakland. I, I just think that they're playing well right now. I think it's more of a reflection on Boston and who we thought they were than on the other teams involved. Uh, but, you know, if Cleveland decides to be a seller and, and they fall off here down the stretch, you're within a game of the other two teams. Right. You shouldn't be all that concerned in my mind. Uh, so, uh, and we'll get to the, the trade deadline here in a couple of minutes. Sure. It's obviously uh, coming up very quickly. It is um, it is tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. That's Wednesday, right? Uh, Wednesday the 31st, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but before there, before we get there, Bill, I just want to hit on a couple of things, and that is uh, with the, the existing team and the bullpen. Sure. What do you make of Nathan Ivaldi, who, you know, we're told is going to be, um, you know, obviously has been in the bullpen mix, uh, but has not really done that well in his limited outing so far. Obviously, low leverage situations, but I don't know, mm-hmm. Bill, do you think it's a square peg in a round hole, or are we uh, passing judgment too soon, or am I passing judgment too soon? <laughs> you're going to take personal responsibility <laughs> for this? Me and, I'm, me and and I'm sure most of uh, Red Sox Nation that looks at it like, oh, that guy's terrible. Uh, yeah, sure. Um <laughs> You know, the three outings that he's had, uh, one against the Yankees was very good. It was in a 19-3 game. Right. Uh, the other two have been uneven. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, both of those have been with Boston holding big leads, and, and I think you know a lot of that is just trying to get him into some sort of routine and, and trying to get him a feel for what it's like to actually pitch out of the bullpen. Right. Um, you know, so I would say that the results there, when you bring him into a game where you're up by eight runs – the results are what they are. Mm, mm-hmm. You still won both games. Yeah. He didn't throw them away. Obviously, you're pitching a little differently when you have that much of a cushion. Maybe you're not necessarily doing the same things you would do if you've got a one-run lead. You know That goes to the next point. A lot of these guys who come out of the bullpen are adrenaline junkies. And, and maybe you, know, you look at a closer, let's say. What closers tend to do in non-safe situations. You know, Craig Kimbrell, notorious in them. He was poor. Uh, Aroldis Chapman the other night hadn't worked in a few days. They bring him in in the ninth inning. He gives up two runs. 9-4 becomes 9-6, to six, yep. and, and he makes it a little hairy. Um, it stands to reason that if that's a one-run game, he might have applied himself a little differently. Right, uh, right. You know, Now, I don't know if that's the case with Evaldi. I, I don't want to speak to that and say that he's you know unprofessional in any way or wasn't focused but it is different when it's eight or nine to nothing than it is when it's two to one yep and i think we saw in the playoffs last year when he came in in relief when he was a starter how locked in he was how capable he was that guy is still in there the velocity is back he's up to 100 101 miles an hour over the weekend i think if those measurables weren't there I would be concerned, okay. more so. Yep. Um, you know, I am intrigued, though, to see how they use him going forward. If it does come up where it's a close game and Matt Barnes has pitched the day before and Brandon Workman's maybe pitched mm. a couple days before, I think only then we'll find out what he's going to be able to give them out of the bullpen. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Brandon Workman. So uh, it looks like the Red Sox do kind of see him as the closer. 
Um, I don't know. I guess I'm not sold on him, although he has been very good as of late. Well, you don't like the walks, and you've been consistent. I, I don't with like that. the walks, and that, and that's basically my big gripe against any reliever, and especially a closer, because you know. They tend to hurt you late in the game. Yes. Obviously, you have a shorter time to, to recover from them. Uh, now, I, I like his stuff. He's got a great wipeout curveball. He can surprise you a little bit with his fastball. But, you know, he, there, are ta- there are times when he comes in and he puts two guys on base, and you're like, oh, man, this is not what you want to see out of <laughs> right. a closer, right? Right. The crazy thing about Workman is you know, just about everyone who's reached this year against him has walked. Yeah, no one's hitting it. Right, <laughs> uh, opponents are hitting under 125 against him. They're slugging under 250. You know, so when they are hitting him, it's a single, right. and it's not happening very often. Uh, the stuff really plays. The the fastball is back up to 93, 94, which was where he was before he had Tommy John right. surgery. Um, you know, the curveball obviously is elite. Yeah. It's really, really good. Uh, what he's able to do against left-handers, actually, is is excellent as well. I think they only have eight hits against him all year. Um, you're talking about 105, 110 games right. already. And, and he doesn't seem to get, to get hung up on, oh, you need four outs from me instead of three. I, that doesn't seem to be an issue with him, which is nice. No, they've, they've buried him for four and five and six outs here a couple times. Yeah. Uh, you know, In Tampa the other day, he was over 40 pitches, and they had to go to Marcus Walden for the last out of the game. Um, they were really hopeful that, that Workman would be able to finish two innings there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's something to keep an eye on. I, I just think that you know, he's probably emerged as a guy who's going to pitch the ninth inning. Uh, and Barnes and Evaldi, they'll probably use you know, based on leverage. Those two guys, Josh Taylor, and, and maybe potentially someone who they bring in, are probably guys who you'll see before the ninth. Yeah. I, I think it's really important to note uh, that they've managed to sort of rehabilitate Barnes here. Um, in July, yeah, he's been outstanding, and I don't think well they haven't overused him, well, which is really I think I think that's that's what we've all sort of come to realize about him. I was going to say I don't think it's a coincidence that he got an extended rest after London. Yep. He also got an extended rest during the All Star break. That's true. Yep. Uh, he's faced 26 batters this month. He's given up three hits and he struck out 14, which is more along the lines of where he was in April and May. Uh, June was a disaster. He had a nine six nine ERA. He also pitched in 15 of those games, which is way, way too many. Um, So I think he's back to being the sort of elite-ish reliever that that you thought you had. Uh, And I think the idea with Evaldi is if we use him in a way, and Josh Taylor in a way, and maybe even Darwins and Hernandez in a way that can lessen the workload on Barnes, Barnes and Workman are the two guys that we trust the most in a given game. Absolutely. Uh, and another takeaway from this uh, this recent stretch here is Andrew Kashner decided to save his best Red Sox outing for the one that means the most, at least to this point, and that's uh, when he beat the Yankees a few uh, I forget if it was a night. Yeah, it must have been a night game. Friday night. Friday night. That's right. That's Friday. That was, that was the same night. And... Uh, uh, so that was certainly an encouraging sign, having somebody... You know, we we talk about this a lot. You know, you can stink against every other team, but if you're good against the Yankees, that there's a kind of a... Uh, there's a different perception, and it works in the reverse, obviously. You can be Cy Young against every other team, but if you can't beat the Yankees, Red Sox fans have no use for you, right? No use whatsoever, and, and in that respect, Cashner knows his audience, because... Right. Uh, you know, the first time he met with the media in Boston afterwards, he, he said, I can't wait to pitch against the Yankees. I, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to be a part of that rivalry. Uh, you know, and the other night, 
after he pitched well. His first five innings were scoreless. Uh, they tried to extend him a little bit in the sixth and the seventh because they had a comfortable lead. Yeah. And you know, I think they were trying to get as few outs from the bullpen as they could, uh, assuming that they would need them on Saturday and Sunday, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So he ends up giving up ten hits. His line wasn't really representative of the quality of his out. No, it all kind of fell apart there at the end, but you're right, they probably kept him in there a little too long. So afterwards, he he comes out and he says, uh, you know, he's asked, was this any different? You know, did it feel any different from any of your other wins or whatever? And he he basically says, well, I don't know, everyone grows up hating the Yankees, right? (laughs) And it was just like, you know, you're looking at this and you're thinking, okay, this could be the villain that this rivalry needs. Yeah. Because if he pitches well against New York, and, and particularly well down the stretch, Red Sox fans are going to gravitate toward that sort of thing. If he pitches well in the Bronx, knowing that these comments are out there on the record, Yankee fans are going to give him their full oh, score. Right, They're gonna, he's going to hear it. As only they can. Right. right. Um, and, and this could get us back to you know, maybe in the mid-2000s if they happen to play again in the playoffs for the second straight year. Yeah. You get back to, you know, we just had the 15th anniversary of, of A-Rod and Jason Veritan yeah. and the fight. Right. Um, you know, so if, if we can, if he's turning up some heat on this and we do happen to see it in October, good for us because it's going to sell paper. Oh, it's... Uh, and it's, it's wonderful it's, copy. It's great and it's, and it's great for the fan base. Absolutely. You know, obviously, uh, the arch rivals and, and uh, you know, and the way baseball is now, these guys are all multimillionaires and they share the same agents and there's a lot more sort of collegiality than there had been in the past. Well, there's but, just more player movement. Uh, right. Free and, agency being what it is. Right. Not right. I mean, look at Steve Pierce. He's played on every team in, in, the, in the American in League. The East, right? That's right. Uh, but yeah, to, to have somebody who can come out and, and you know, say something Something like that against the Yankees and get the uh, and get the fan bases both fan bases riled up. Uh, you know, it's great. Well, you remember in the '70s when when Mike Torres played for both teams. I sort of remember. Yeah, I was a little kid, but yeah, but yeah. it was like an international incident. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. what do you mean he's going to go play for them? Right. He just played for us. Yeah. You, well, you don't have to go back that far. Even Jacoby Ellsbury. You know, Johnny Damon. D- Damon. Absolutely. Remember Johnny Damon's right. first at bat absolutely. at Fenway after he signed with the Yankees. Absolutely. Sure. How how viciously they booed Vilified. him. Vilified. Uh. He looked scarred at the play. <laughs> right. Like he looked legitimately shocked. Sure. Sure. And and I think his mindset was revealing in that way. Players don't think like that anymore. No. Hey, I took the better deal, right? Because they're on the move so <laughs> yeah. often. Sure. Uh, but fans are still sort of in that scorekeeping mode. So when Johnny Damon, who's you know one of the ringleaders of the idiots and and one of the you know, most important pieces on a championship team, he signs a free agent deal with the Yankees. Come back to Fenway. And gets booed and looks up into the stands like, wow, they really hate me now. It's like, yes, Johnny, they, <laughs> yeah, they do. do. Yeah, you can't put that uniform on and expect uh, something different. They, right? they hate the laundry that's on your back. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, more than they think about the person who's wearing it. Right. I mean, even Kevin Euclid, when he ended up being a Yankee, I wasn't treated that well. And that had been mm. sort of down the road a bit, you know. That's right. Uh, so, uh, talking about players moving around here, uh, the, the uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline is. Uh, 26 hours away, I want to say. Uh, 26, correct. And, um, On the button. Yeah, just, just about. And, uh, you know, uh, there's been lots of speculation as to what the Red Sox will do. The only acquisition they've had as of late has been Kashner. Uh, I know there was lots of talk of, you know, the Red Sox being interested in uh, Mets, uh, Mets uh, reliever Edwin Diaz, but it looks like that may not be happening. Probably not. Uh, the asking price being what it is, yeah. you, you would think that the Mets are going to ask for 
you know, significant prospects from Boston. And as we've talked about many times here on the podcast, Bill, you know, the Red Sox are trying not to blow through that next uh, that that next um, salary cap or um, threshold in which they'd have to uh, not only pay a lot of money, but lose some draft picks or lose a dra- draft order. Uh, so they don't have a whole lot of money to spend if, if in fact, they want to uh, remain under the level that they are now. So do you think anything is going to be happening in the next day or two? And if, if so, uh, what kind of deal do you think that's going to be? I think they'll add a relief pitcher. I just don't think it's going to be a big name. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a splash. You know, someone like Edwin Diaz from the Mets is probably going to cost too much in prospect capital mm. going back the other way. Uh, Which the Red Sox have sort of slowly been building back up, right? I mean, they're certainly not near the top of the league, but as you pointed out earlier, they're not at the bottom anymore it's in terms worth, of prospects. It's worth noting in, in Baseball America's midseason rankings, which they revise from preseason, uh, the Red Sox are up to 22nd in, in the farm system. Mm-hmm. They were 30th, yeah. which is dead last. Um, a lot of their better players are, are at the lower levels, whether it's Tristan Cassis, who was their first-round pick last year, uh, Bobby Dalbeck, who's at Portland right now, uh, slugging corner infielder, uh, Jaron Duran, who's also at Portland, uh, an outfielder with, with great speed, who looks to be a little bit of a surprise. He was sort of a seventh, eighth-round-ish pick last year at Long Beach State. Right. Um, you know, they have prospects who are coming. Uh they're not quite close to the big league club yet, but they would have value in trades. Mm-hmm. I just think that Boston is mindful of the fact that they do need to reload that system, and, and so they're not going to be as quick to part with those guys. The other thing I think, Bill, and, and you mentioned the tax, and, and it's a good point. I think last year they went over the tax because it was very clear by this point in the season that they were World Series contenders. Right. Uh, you know, they're 30, 40 games over 500 or whatever it was at the deadline. Uh, and I thought it was pretty obvious that the only team that they were really going to compete with, I, I mean, it was two teams, really. It was Houston and it was the Yankees. And you would have taken your chances on a five or a seven game series with either team. The Red Sox were a wagon by that point. I mean, I mean they were just steamrolling everybody. Oh, yeah. and, and you look and you think, can we make an addition or two? Steve Pierce and Nathan Navaldi and Ian Kinsler it ended up being. Mm. But can we make an addition or two that's going to make this a World Series team? Do we feel like we have a World Series team already? The answer to both of those questions was yes. Right now, you look at where they are, and, and yes, I think they will get into the postseason. They're going to end up being a wild card in my mind. Mm. I, I don't think they'll catch the Yankees in the division. Um, but are they as safe a bet to advance deep into October? You know, to be a team that is going to be a favorite to be in the World Series? I would say the answer to that is no. And so with that in mind, you don't give away the 10 draft pick spots. You don't end up paying the tax. Uh, you sort of save some of those prospect chips maybe for the offseason or for next year right. if you want to deal for a true impact player. But those decisions are probably not going to be made at this deadline. But to be clear, you're not saying they're going to be sellers at the deadline. No. You're just saying they're not going to be big buyers at the deadline. They're not going to be as aggressive buying as maybe they could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, It's not going to be Edwin Diaz, and, and they're not going to be in on you know like someone like Marcus Stroman, who went to the Mets in a very curious Strange. trade. Yeah. Uh, you know, a very Mets-like deal. I, Even I Stroman was like, what? <laughs> what? Excuse me, what? 
Um, you know, a very a very Mets like deal. Right. Uh, you know, but they're not going to be in on like Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates yeah. or uh, Kirby Yates was another name that you heard from San Diego. Mm. Kirby Yates probably would have cost you your top two prospects because he's under team control for another couple of years. Right. Um, yeah, and that's just a price that I don't see the Red Sox willing to pay. Yeah. Right now, that would be an aggressive, splashy sort of headline-grabbing move, and, and I just don't see them doing that. Right, right. Well, you know, it couldn't have worked out better last year. I mean, the, the three guys they picked up, uh, you know, maybe not so much with Kinsler, but Ivaldi and Steve Pierce played huge roles in the postseason. I mean, Pierce was the World Series MVP. Ivaldi was... You know, helped help that pitching staff and the bullpen uh, uh, in in the World Series and in the playoffs. But you think back to that team last year. Did they really need to make any major additions? No. If you looked at it uh, halfway through, you're thinking, "Geez, you know, you're on pace to win a record amount, of, record number of games. Uh, we could, we're probably good, right?" Those were a couple tweaks. Yeah. You know, they, that, they but they turned out to be more than that. Turned out to be more than that, more than they ever could have imagined. Yeah. But at the time when they made those deals, those were a couple tweaks. Yep. There were a couple minor specific additions. Uh, Kinsler to play defense at second base, Pierce to face left-handed pitching, and Evaldi to give them a little more depth in the rotation right. and serve as the rover, which we later found out was the strategy that they were going to use with the bullpen sure. in the playoffs. This year, if you were going to look, you would say, well, they have a major hole at closer. Mm. Or, or at the back end of the bullpen, however you want to use the right, guy. Right. Major hole there. Um, you know, sort of a, a lesser hole, but it still exists in offensive production at first base. Um, you know, and, and you, if you're trying to make a, a serious move to close a big hole like that, it's going to require, you know, taking on salary moving prospects, whatever it might be. I just don't think that they're in that place right, right. now to do something like that. Right. And, and, and you know, before we gloss over the last year as though everything were peachy, I mean, there was plenty of bitching about the bullpen last year as well. Lots. But you didn't have this gaping hole at closer because uh, you had a closer, even though, you know, maybe things weren't uh, always as smooth as they should have been. And he but, wasn't great in the playoffs. And he wasn't great in the playoffs, right. But for the most part, you know, you pretty much knew you were going to the postseason, and you would have been disappointed if you didn't at least at least get to the ALCS. I think a lot of the bullpen complaints in 2018 were based on preconceived notions. It was, we're going to look at the roster on paper going into the year, and we're yeah. going to say, they're not good enough. Right. They actually performed pretty well mm. over mm. the course of the year. Um, then it turned into, well, they'll sink us in October. Actually, they didn't. Right. No, they got better. <laughs> you know, if anything, they got better. Yeah. Joe Kelly was otherworldly. Yeah. Uh, Matt Barnes was good. Ryan Brazier was a revelation. You end up with Nathan Evaldi and Rick Porcello out there, uh, and even David Price to an extent. And then Chris Sale closed out the World Series out of the bullpen. Absolutely. Um, this year sort of carries over. You lose Joe Kelly, you lose Craig Kimbrell, and it's, well, they're going to be even worse than last year. Well,. People have been proven correct on that. But well, you were going to be worse than last year regardless of what happened, I think. I don't yes. think you were going to match last year's record. It was just no. one of those off-the-chart seasons. And the bullpen is is the sore thumb that everyone can point to. It's the right. narrative. It's the take that everyone's had for a year and a half. And they can just go back to that and have their take validated. I, I think that's a big part of why that narrative exists and, and sort of comes to the forefront to this day. Right, right. I mean, you know, let's not 
uh, kid ourselves. They're, they're having a good year. I mean, they're 10 games, 11 games over 500. Uh, so, you know, in most seasons, you'd say, hey, they're having a great season. Unfortunately, yep. you've got the Yankees essentially running away with the division here. And it should be better based on your payroll and, and everything else. Yeah. And you look at the way that they've lost some of these games. You know, it's been sloppy yeah, at times. And, and heartbreaking sometimes. They've made mistakes uh, at key times. And, yeah. you know, they got off to such a terrible start. You know, being 3-8 and 11-17, and, and 17, you, you really put yourself in a hole. Uh, but the fact that you're here and you're in contention and that you shouldn't really fear the other teams who are in the wild card race against you, I, I think they're in a decent spot. And especially coming off last week when you go 5-2 and two against the Yankees and the Rays, I, I think that was really encouraging for people who might have thought that this team couldn't beat quality opponents. Mm-hmm. Well, they just did it. Yeah. Absolutely, and they, they'll have more opportunities to, uh, to prove that over the next few days. Bill, thanks again for another uh, installment of the Twin Bills podcast. We will uh, do this again in uh, a week, and we'll see if there are any new members wearing Red Sox jerseys. All right, Bill. Take care.